and welcome everyone to the Whisperance Sports Review here on Planet FM. The show is proudly brought to you by Whisperance. They're based at 9 Pereira Street in Newland. Their number is 09827 8531 or you can email them on whisperance.co.nz Lovely day here in the city of Sales and of course we might as well rip into it because all of us are quite busy. It was another big weekend of super rugby. Unfortunately the Hurricanes Moana Pacific was called off due to the COVID, uh, due to a COVID outbreak but um, there were two games played in New Zealand. Some of the Australian games, the Brumbies 36, the Rebels 17, the Reds 32, Fiji Drura 28, Waratah 22, 4-17. But we're going to speak about the New Zealand the, the New Zealand games. And here to speak to us is my good mate, former All Black and 1987 World Cup winner, AJ Wetton. Good afternoon to you, young AJ, and I hope you're having a great day. Yeah, mate, it is a busy day. A lot going on, of course, around the rugby competitions and work. So, uh, Always good to talk to you, Piggy, and, uh, yeah, a good weekend of football to be had and seen. Yeah, it certainly was, and, I'll, and we might as well uh, check it off. Uh, the Blues 32, the Highlanders 20, while the score does not represent uh, the intensity of this match, it was a really good game. Very impressed with uh, Zahn Sullivan and Stephen Perifita in the back. But a couple of guys on the Blues really... Um, brought my attention to it was Tane Plumtree. He had a great game. And Kudik, and mm. I think he's got better and better as, as the competition uh, got on. Yep, no, uh, the uh, son, of course, of uh, Mr Plumtree tied up in the All Blacks as one of the assistant coaches. So uh, he'd be pretty proud to see his boy playing in number six, a jersey, uh, pretty special to my heart. So I was watching him quite closely and he just seemed to be Johnny on the spot. Had a lot of enthusiasm and um, rewarded with, with two tries. One of them absolutely critical to get them out from the uh, Highlanders. But I thought um, first half, yeah, she petered along a bit. I thought it was the Highlanders who uh, came out on top, all right. But the Blues just seemed to be a bit on holiday. Drop balls, missed passes, um, tactically, I thought they were a bit loose. And that really played into the hands of uh, the Southern men. Um, Thought Frizzell took the ball up really well, and Evans combined well in the loose. And yeah, the tight five uh, led by Coltman and the group in the front row. I thought they stood up to the Blues, but obviously a half-time chat, chat by Leon McDonald and, and fellow um, coaches, and they put the foot down. And then you mentioned uh, yeah. Zane and Perafita. Uh, Heem, of course, needed a, a good turnaround because he, he dropped a couple in the first half and, and made amends. But Leah really. Uh, Injected that spark in the back line, didn't we? And and put he the young country away for the clincher. Yeah. So uh, yeah, good game. Could have come out on top in the end. And keepers, I I thought it was about a fifty-two minute second half, and they all looked absolutely out on their feet. Yeah, and um, and one of the things as we speak about the Highlanders, Shannon Brazil has just been excellent um, this season. Or so far this season, he's been probably the. And the, and the blindside flanker role, which is a role which you held so proudly for the All Blacks and Auckland, he's been probably the form number six in the competition. Yeah, he's been pretty consistent, and I think that's one of the things the selectors had earmarked him to, to work on. Um, he is a, a main cog in that uh, Highlanders forwards, there's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, works him well with Makaleti too and Evans. They've got a very good loose forward trio. Uh, Aaron Smith was there as usual, busy. But look, they just seem to lack a wee bit of direction at times. Uh, I know Gregory tries hard, but they need to be a bit more creative from my, my point of view. And uh, they've had four games for four losses. Not big losses, but they just look like a team that's just going to be battling to get into that top eight or, or quarterfinals. And um, they've got a lot of work to do, and it doesn't get easier week and week in this competition until they start facing the Aussies where they may pick up some valuable points. But uh, no, I thought the Blues definitely came deserved on top. I thought Papali'i did well. A um, couple of um, at, at times just maybe um, a loose ball here or there. But if they just played to their potential, the, the Blues have certainly got the ammunition uh, to, to go further, and I'm looking forward to this match on the weekend. I think that's going to really put a benchmark on both teams to see where they actually are uh, since the Crusaders lost to the Chiefs. 
I'd have to agree with you there. And, of course, then we moved to the Saturday game. Now, remember a few weeks ago when the Blues lost to the Hurricanes, I said the Crusaders would never let a lead like that and slip with 10 minutes to go. Well, guess what? I obviously don't know what I'm talking about, but I think this was an absolute humbugger. The Chiefs won it at the dip over the Crusaders, 24-21. Really impressed with Tucky Lato and Corey Taylor's clash between the two hookers. Big Brody looked good. Um, uh, Stevenson on the wing looked fantastic. Uh, Habili looked good for the Crusaders. But I'm going to put this down. The guy I thought was the best player on the field, and he's been probably the most outstanding forward, apart from Shannon Frizzell, has been Sam Cade. He, I think well, he's he yeah, proving the yeah. difference. No, look, I think you hit on the hit. He, and look, you've got to remember, he came back from a, a pretty serious injury last year. He, he looked a bit un, underdone, Sam, on the tour to the Northern Hemisphere. Um, obviously done a lot of work, and you mentioned Retallick. I mean, he was into everything, and I think that experience came to the top in that second half. Uh, pretty good first half, quite tight. Uh, I think we saw with the Chiefs, uh, not quite finishing opportunities. You mentioned Takilao, very strong with the ball. Angus Ta'avo played a good man with VAR. All the forwards worked, worked really well, um, especially Soakulu. He takes the ball up so hard, such a big man. But they were still behind in, in, the, in, in the first half. But the second half, boy, the amount of pressure they put on the Crusaders, and that's off to their defence. Um, you know, Matera, Blackadder, Christie. This Christie, you know, we've got a Huge wealth of number seven. Good open side flankers and, and put him in there as well. I thought he's um, been playing well this season. They just tackled everything and they had to because it was all Chiefs, wasn't it, Biggie? And it was a well-deserved win in the end. They couldn't quite nail them until the 81st second minute and uh, it was a well-deserved try. And he mentioned Stevenson, great finisher. And um, a well-deserved win to the uh, Chiefs um, after last week, letting that one slip. They'll take that one. And they certainly will, and of course, uh, next week's games um, in New Zealand are going to be some quite interesting ones. Hope, hopefully, with no COVID interruptions, we've got the Highlanders versus Moana Pacifica. We have the Chiefs versus the Hurricanes, which will be a cracker. And then we have this good one on uh, Sunday, the Crusaders versus the Blues. But we've got a, this weekend coming up, there's, there's some cracking games coming up. Some of your thoughts and some of your picks for uh, next week. For this weekend coming up, I should say, Yeah, well, look, I think we're all looking at the Highlanders, Moana, Pacifica. Um, both teams at the bottom of the comp. So um, big effort required by the Highlanders. They need to get their season off uh, and get a W on the board. So I'm picking them. Uh, Moana, Pacifica, be, uh, having a week off, uh, not easy, but I'd be interested to see if they can uh, uh, put up a real big fight like they did against the Crusaders. I think it's going to be a lot closer than we think. I'm picking the Highlanders, uh, the Hurricanes versus the Chiefs. Uh, well, both teams on the same points and wins. Hurricanes at home. Um, phew, this is a tough one, but the way the Chiefs are going, it wouldn't surprise me if they stole that one. And they're on to seem to be um, a pretty sound team, um, solid in all, all, all departments around the field. And the Crusaders blues well. That's going to be a cracker. I'll be certainly watching that. And, um, yeah, if the Blues are going to... Uh, come out and put their hand up to see a, a, a contender, uh, rather an ink than a pencil, they've got to beat the Crusaders at home there, um, start making a statement away from home where they can win. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a tight one, and, um, yep, can't wait to see it, but I, I can't pick it. <laughs> that, that one is definitely a hard one to pick, um, I suppose, because both of them, you know, like, they both had losses, and they both had very, very close losses, but and, I, and if Bodie's back for the um, Blues, that's probably going to make a difference for the Blues as well too. So this could be a really, really tight match, and I'm really looking forward to 3.30 on Sunday while I'm flicking between the uh, cricket and flicking between uh, the Super Rugby. But, yeah, really looking forward to that. Just another quick question be, before we uh, wind it up. What are you doing for St. Patrick's Day, AJ? Well, it's... Uh... I'm just looking on Thursday there. Do I go down and support uh, many of the local Irish bars here? I'm just making up my mind. I've got a bit of work on, believe it or not. Uh, but I shall assure you, if Bernie McArthur's around, there'll be a couple of Guinnesses on board, that's for sure. Well, I, well I, I, I'll say this right now. I usually don't drink Guinness until St. Patrick's Day because 
you know, I do like the odd pint, but I'm not a big drinker. I find, find it a bit too heavy. But, yeah, I'll be having a few Gannisters. I'll probably be, you know, getting, getting involved in a thing song and, and basically just enjoying myself. Why not? And I hope to, what it's for. And I hope to see you out, AJ. I might well, even I hope buy, to be I might even slip into my pocket. Yeah, you know, you could have a great day if you run into myself and uh, Mr. McCarthy. When you know, both of us putting hands in our pockets. You, you, yeah, I'll be. We'll have to get a medic next. You'll be in shock. <laughs> no, as long as you go in your pot, uh, pocket, we will need a medic. We'll both be shocked. But just quickly before I go, uh, was Inga's the winger's funeral was on uh, Saturday. I streamed in. Sadly, I couldn't go, but. Uh, just wanted to uh, recognise the man he was, not only just on the field, but off. Sadly missed. uh, Lovely family, uh, his wife and Daphne, and uh, just our condolences to them again, but uh, a great service. Uh, His mates were there, uh, Apollo, Ice, uh, Ronnie Clark, and and Uffy, so uh, great to watch. Very tearful, emotional, and just want to wish the family, Inga family, Tuigamala family, all the best. That that was a well said, AJ, and of course, then I'd like to pass on my um, condolences to the Tui Gamala family. You know, he was a he was a great guy on and off the field, and you know, we we lost someone special when we lost him last week. So yeah, absolutely agree, AJ. Have a great rest of the week. Hopefully, I might catch up with you on Thursday. If not, we will be chatting uh, at next week some point. Okay, so okay, we'll buddy. Just move Take on. It easy, man. Take it, take it easy, AJ. Okay, so we'll just move on next to a bit of NRL with Frank Endicott. So let's play a bit of music. everyone back to the Whispering Sports Review here on Planet FM and of course now we're going to talk a bit of NRL and here to talk to us as as he will be this season as former Kiwis coach, former Warriors coach, former Wigan coach, former Canterbury coach, he's coached them all uh, he is one of the, he's a life member of New Zealand Rugby League it is Frank Endicott, good afternoon to you Frank and uh, how are you going today? Oh thanks Sam, I'm, no, I'm good as usual mate Really, uh, really looking forward to the day. I've got to mow all the lawns later. <laughs> <laughs> well, that work's got to be done. I'm lucky because we've got a body cooker here that mows all our lawns, so I'd be no good. I haven't mowed a lawn since, well, in, in, in over 12 years, so I wouldn't know how to turn on the track, <laughs> turn on the lawnmower. <laughs> anyway, we might as well rip into it. We're going to start it off with uh, the New Zealand Warriors 
16, um, Dragons 28. While there were some positives from the Warriors, it was great to see Sean Johnson back. But And Josh Curran looks menacing along with Fenua Blake. At times, they seem to, at times, lack ideas. I know it's only round one, but in many ways, the hat-trick by the winger for the Dragons really, you know, there were some issues which the Warriors will need to clean up. Oh, I would say quite a few issues, Amon. Uh, last week, I predicted the Warriors would end up in uh, around the 11th place. Uh, I don't, after seeing that first-round game, I'm not going to change my mind. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought Curran, you're right, Curran had a fantastic game uh, for the Warriors, as did uh, Fanua Blake, and I thought Sean Johnson played some uh, nice touches. Uh, but overall, they've got a lot of improving to go. Um, I look at their first five games, and I thought they should have won a minimum three and possibly four of those. I've got great doubts now. Uh, Dragons, Titans, Tigers, Broncos and Cowboys, all winnable games for them. Um, They've lost the first one. Uh, They've got to win three of the next four if they're going to be serious. I have to agree with you there, Frank. And, 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 you know, while while they have have reached Walsh back, which gives a bit more attack, at times I feel that while it's great to have SJ back there, he can't do it by himself and he needs someone especially on attack, to change the point of direction. And, you know, no offence to Nicarima, but I just don't believe he stood up. I I, I believe, while well, we had Harris to beat her at fullback, obviously just to cover that uh, Reese Walsh suspension, we, we really did miss another point of attack, Frank. Oh, we did, and, and that will be improved this week. Um, but uh, I still think there's more than that. I think their discipline and... Uh, in, in unforced areas is huge. It's something, you know, back-to-back drop balls. They've just got to get this right out of their system. But we say it every year. Uh, the players have got to understand that the ball is gold and they can't win without it. It's definitely right there, Frank, and I think definitely sometimes discipline, brain explosions by players, it, it does cost the Warriors. And, you know, this is not a new thing. We've been saying it for a very, very long time. There's always a potential there, but... It seems every time we have that potential, we just we cannot convert it into what we want to see. Moving on to the next game, the opening game was a was a fantastic game. The Panthers twenty eight, the Sea Eagles four. I was I was really surprised by this result. Uh, Kikau had a brilliant game, but Lewy and O'Sullivan, their combination was fantastic. Well, I thought it was the top performance of the round. Um, I, I thought. Penrith were just about flawless. Uh, they looked they looked a real gun side on the on the Thursday night, and they completely demolished Manly twenty eight to six. I mean, the, the Manly's attacking weapon, um, the fullback Tom Tommy Turbo. Um, they, every time he touched the ball, he had two three guys on him. He had no room to move, and I thought they uh, their tactics were perfect. So I think they're in for a very good year. I think you could be right there, Frank. And, you know, well, no Nathan Cleary, which was always going to be the big doubt, um, O'Sullivan, who was with the Warriors last season, really stepped into to the halves and combined beautifully with Lawai. And, you know, that, that Penrith Panthers side is a very, very good side. They've got to be good all around the field. You can look at Kikau, you look at players like Fisher-Harris, you've got Kurosawa at hockey, but they just have some really good players. Dylan Edwards, the fullback, but... To me, I, I actually think, you know, on that performance, you have to start looking at them. The next game was the Raiders 24, the Sharks 19. Jack Wyden's 200th game and didn't have a cracker. Uh, a bit of a brain explosion at the end for these Sharks. But, you know, this was a real cracking game and I really enjoyed this one. But Jack Wyden in 200 games and this guy really is one of the best players in the NRL. Oh, he did, and not often you get a six foot three five eight, do you? And uh, powerful as he is, I, th- I really enjoyed that game. Um, you know, it was it was even right up until the end, and uh, Raiders come out of it where last year they wouldn't have. So they're showing a lot more resolve this year, and um, yeah, I think they're going to beat a lot of good sides. Um, they they look very good, and uh, Ricky's done a great job with them. Yeah, and. 
Uh, Nickel Kotsap, he really had a fantastic game. You know, you know he's going to be really vital not only for the Raiders, but when we speak about the Rugby League World Cup at the end of the year, he's he's going to be very very crucial for the Kiwis. Then the next game was the Broncos eleven, the Rabbitohs four, and uh, Kirk Campwell's been a great addition for. For the Broncos, it really uh, didn't surprise me. Albert Kelly had a good game, but really, this would have been a good heartening win for Kevin Walters at the Broncos. Yeah, and I was pleased for Kevin. You know, he had a tough year last year, and they had a tough year the year before that. But um, to come out and beat South 11 4 uh, was very encouraging for the Broncos, and uh, I, I thought overall South were very poor. I thought they missed Reynolds. Uh, and of course, he's going to be with the, in the Broncos in the next couple of weeks, so they're going to improve even more. And um, you know, I, I think they play the Bulldogs next week. I can see another win for them there. I think, yeah, I, I could see that happening for the Broncos. I think there's a bit more confidence around there. The Knights twenty, the Roosters four. That was a bit of an upset. Caelan Ponga outstanding, but really, and Dane Gagai, great addition for the Knights, but. Uh, Jack Clifford really, I felt, led, led them well around the field. There was a lot of murmurings when uh, Mitchell Pearce went to Catalan Dragons that, they, that the Knights may not be competitive of Battle Recognised Half. Well, he's proven them wrong. Well, you know, a real upset here. I thought the Roosters would win that game and win it well. And I thought over the whole round, they were the most disappointing team. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do there um, if they're going to be there at the end. And I, I picked them to be in the top two, three. Um, so, you know, they need to improve. And they've got the players to improve, of course. But, mm. by gee, they didn't look fit. They um, they got out enthused by the Knights. And I think that's what won it for the Knights. Um, they just had more want to win and uh, enthusiasm. They certainly did, and of course then this game, this game was a real cracker, and the Storm 28, the Tigers 16, um, the difference, I believe, between the two sides, and you may have a different opinion, was Jerome Hughes and Ryan Pappenhausen. Them two were just purely outstanding, you know. I thought this game was dead and buried when the Tigers got their lead, but the Storm side is a very, very good side. Few injury concerns, uh, Brandon... Brandon Smith has a broken leg, so he's out for a number of weeks. So, yeah, so that that was some of my thoughts, and that was some of your thoughts, Frank. I, I just love I love watching this storm more than any other team, to be honest. They've just got so much um, grit about them. You know, they never give it in. I agree with you on the um, on the two best players. Uh, I thought the halfback. I thought he was he was just tremendous. Um, he he actually led, and young Pappenhausen. Um, with the mullet, I tell you what, he played very well also in his first full game for a long time. But those three injuries are vital to them, um, especially Welsh. He's out for the season and Jennings out for the season. And, of course, um, uh, Smithy's out for, I think, four four weeks with a broken or fractured hand. So, but they get three good ones back in this week. So I think they can rebound again and um, I think they can come back and have a stronger performance next week and beat South. I think they will beat South, and I think they'll beat them quite convincingly. Well, when we were texting yesterday um, to confirm um, a stuff for today, this game was just... I love this game. The Eels 32, the Titans 28. <laughs> that first half, every time I looked up, there was another try when I was writing stuff back down for the day. Uh, what was Sean Russell, Hattrick, uh, unfortunately an injury at the end. Clint Gutherson looked fantastic, and so did Mitch Moses, but... You know, I have to say that Saxton has been a good buy for the Titans as well. But this was a cracking, cracking game, Frank. Most entertaining game of the round. Uh, nine tries in the first half, I think it was. Um, and then I think both coaches sat, them, sat their teams down and said, hey, we've got a tackle here also. But I don't think it was poor defence um, that led to the nine tries. I think it was very, very good attack from both sides. So, you know, that looks entertaining for the Eels and the... Um, and the Titans for the rest of the year. Titans, of course, have got Warriors next week. Uh, Warriors are going to have to improve to beat the Titans on that performance. I would say that the Warriors may definitely would not would definitely go in as underdogs. I think the Titans. I think they're a real good shout for for the top eight this year. I think they've they've got a good squad there, and I think AJ Brimston and uh, Toby Saxon 
that combination's only going to blossom, Frank. Anyway, then we go to the big game, the Bulldogs 6, the Cowboys 4, and I feel, really felt sorry for the Cowboys, a bit of a unlucky bugger call. But, yeah, this game, after watching the, the previous game before, and then we saw this, it was like, hmm, this was a bit different. A few concerns for the dogs. They've got a number of injury. One and one is Jeremy Marshall King, who I felt was having a great game for the Bulldogs. But, you know, it was a tough, hard old game. It reminds you of some of the old games we used to see many, many years ago, Frank. Well, I thought it was a very poor standard from both teams. I thought the amount of drop ball uh, throughout the match was, uh, was, was awful, to be honest. And um, I didn't really enjoy watching the skills. But because it was so close, it, uh, it had me interested. Uh, the weather, it was very humid, um, very hot and humid, and that, and then the heavy rain come down, so I suppose that had something to do with the drop ball, but um, really at that level there's no excuse for that amount. Uh, I was pleased to see the Bulldogs win. I think they, um, you know, I, I picked the Cowboys, but I thought the Bulldogs fought real well, and I was pleased for their coach, who's under fire. Um, Trent Barrett, um, you know, they had a win and good on them because they're not going to get many this year. I don't think that, by the looks, if that's the standard, and, you know, they've brought, and they've brought some big players, I think they're going to struggle a bit too. I was picking them to come close to the top eight, but the more I see it, they definitely need a lot of improving. Well, we'll go to round two, and I'm going to pick our game of the round, and I think this one is going to be a cracking one. It's going to be the Sharks versus the Eels. And you know what? I'm going to actually take the Sharks because I don't believe that they can... Well, the Eels looked fantastic yesterday. I think this game's going to be a real cracking one to watch at Saturday at 7.30pm. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I actually had a wee tick beside the Sharks also, but I'll, I'll take the Eels for our bet. Um, and you just remember, you've had first pick, so I'll have first pick next week. Oh, no, no, no. If you want the Sharks, I'll take the Eels. No, 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 no. I'll, 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 I'll take the Eels. Yeah, OK. So it's a, so we're fighting back the beer debt recovery here on Planet FM to break into Hey, Mo, can I just make a mention? Um, yeah, sure. The bunker. I think, mate, I think we've got to get rid of the bunker. I agree. I th- I thought they had... I, they're actually refereeing the game from the bunker and it's spoiling it. People go to the games to see tries and some beautiful tries were scored in the weekend uh, that were disallowed by the bunker when the kicker was about to kick at goal for the conversion and they overturned all four. Um, I, I thought I thought it was a, a very poor performance uh, by the bunker and I think they should be looked at and only used by the referee for um, you know to determine whether a try was scored or not. But they're refereeing the game from the bunker, and it's just not on. I'd have to agree with there, Frank. And one of the things, you know, like it's not just with rugby league. We have the same problems in rugby union as well, too. I feel that the it's it's basically it's taking the referee the the referees. Uh, aren't able to make a decision without relying on the bunker. Well, the simple reason is is that referees can... Um, some of the great referees we've seen, like Bill Harrigan, they they lived and died by their decision. If they got it wrong, they got it wrong. They got it, they may have been abused, anything like that, but, you know, they made their decision. When we keep on having to go to the bunker every five minutes, I think it, it um, ruins the spectacle for us. Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that first try from the Roosters, who scored 60 metres out, was an absolute classic. Um, and they come back and disallowed it where there was no interference whatsoever. Uh, it, you know, it, it turned me off watching it. I thought, oh, this is, this is going to ruin the year if they don't do something about it. Certainly, well, certainly. Let's hope it doesn't ruin this much of this year. Well, Frank, um, just want to thank you for your time, as per usual, and uh, we'll catch up again next week. And then from then on, and then um, I'll be in touch during the week on what's happening in the next few weeks. So uh, we'll just go to a bit of music, and then we'll talk a bit of football. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Frank. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now.
see you move, I'm checking your smile, working your back like it's going out of style. Shake just a little bit faster, shake just a little now, girl. Dying to meet you, so let's mess around. Got an obsession with us getting down. Come just a little bit closer, I just need permission, so give me a Welcome everyone back to the West Print Sports Review here on Planet FM. Well, we're going to talk a bit of football now and of course I'm very lucky to have him. I know he's been really, really busy with a lot of things going on but it's always great to have former all-white Noel Barkley join us. Good afternoon Noel and how are you today mate? Oh, I'm good, man. I love you. Love you. Bit of music intro, a bit of John Legend. I love John Legend. Great, great performer. But I'm good. I'm really good. Really good. And, you know, it's a busy time for you, obviously, with the things going on. But we're going to talk a bit of football. And I have to say, um, we'll talk quickly on the Phoenix. Really, uh, really let, really disappointing against uh, the Brisbane Marauder. No. Yeah, and a bit of a surprise, really, because they've been doing so well and, you know, trying to make the most of those games in hand really would have sort of pushed them on up. I mean, obviously, the top two have sort of got a bit of a jump, but, um, yeah, they just looked lethargic and weren't up for it. Obviously, the injury to Rupert might cost them, but, um, yeah, that was one that they should have really got points that they would have expected to get a win and uh, opportunity lost, unfortunately. Absolutely, an opportunity. Of course, it doesn't get any easier. They've got a few more games and they've got a few players away that have joined the all white. But anyway, we'll head on to the EPL, of course, the Saturday games. Liverpool keep on doing what they're doing with the 2-0 win over Brighton. Uh, Manchester United 3, uh, Spurs 2, uh, Ronaldo Hattrick, and then Brentford 2, Burnley 0. Yeah, look. So, Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool just march on. They uh, they look uh, unbeatable at the minute. Uh, really keeping the keeping Man City honest and uh, yeah, very comfortable. I uh, thought that might be a tough game for them, and they they just seem to be just putting it away. At uh, Lewis, um, he's made a difference up front, doesn't he? He's got a bit of pace, and um, yeah, they're, they're exciting. Burnley didn't expect them to do, to do too well against them. Brentford and uh, good to see Christian Eriksen back in the game and setting goals up. We're very, very much involved in both goals. And of course, that, that guy Ronaldo, who would have thought that he could score a hat trick in a game where we absolutely needed him to score a hat trick because we weren't that great. Uh, midfield still a bit of a problem. We seemed to get overrun possession um, and gave up a couple of sloppy goals. But um, what, an, <laughs> what an exciting game to watch as a, for a Man United fan. Maybe as a Spurs fan, you'd be a bit disappointed. Um, so he has not finished at this point, is he, even at 37? At 37, that was a brilliant performance by Ronaldo, but you're dead right there. There are still problems at Manchester, especially around that, around that midfield area. But I have to say, with any win like that, it gives them some pain to hope. Then we move to this morning's game. And, now, uh, you know, I'll just go to... I'll just go to some of the, the some of probably the uh, lesser results before I head to some of the London team's results. Leeds, good one over Norwich, two one. Really, that, that gives them a little bit of hope to avoid that uh, to avoid that relegation fight. Wolves, you know, good solid win over Everton. Everton have some issues, and Watford had a good two one win over Southampton, which gives them a little bit of confidence. 
Yeah, some some weird uh, results there. I would have expected Everton to really sort of kick on and, and win at home uh, in a game where they didn't really sort of create many chances. Um, yeah, really, yeah, so just some, some weird things. Uh, Wolves, that allows them to sort of keep keep back in the, in, in the game. And, um, yeah, what a, what a result for Watford. Um, Southampton, who everybody was raving about weeks ago, and I sort of lost a couple on the trot, all looks too hot. And um, Watford scrapping away to try and, you know, stay in the game. Certainly are. And then we go to London, of course. There were several sides of London, which we saw this morning. Um, we'll move on with Arsenal. Arsenal keep on, keep on getting better. They had a good 2-0, a real solid 2-0 victory over Leicester. And, that, you know, for Arteta, that's really firming them up for that, that fourth position for the Champions League spot. Yeah, I think it's done and dusted now. Um, I mean, they, they are ultra-consistent. Um, which is not like them, and they just—they're winning games that you sort of think they might draw up, and um, <clears throat> yeah, they look good. They look confident. Crowds are behind them. My son, who's just heading over to London, he's just got a ticket for the Liverpool game um, later on in this week, so he's pretty excited. Oh wow! Um, although he's a Man United fan, so he'll be supporting Arsenal. But um, yeah, no, they look good. They look really, really good. Because then we moved to two different sides of London. Chelsea had a 1-0 victory over Newcastle United. A very controversial BAR decision didn't go Newcastle's way. It's been a, it's been a hell of a week at Chelsea with um, Abramovich trying to sell the club and then basically all his assets are now freeze with the ongoing conflict in the Ukraine. And then, of course, then across the other side, we saw, you know, what I saw was a really... Quite a touching moment. West Ham 2, Villa 1, and Andre Yolenko's goal, the young Ukrainian player who plays for West Ham. A really lovely, touching moment. Yeah, it was. And you can't, um, you can't avoid the, what's going on in the world at the minute and, and realise that uh, you know, there's more important things than football. And unfortunately, football is... No, sort of, you know, the focus is on it and its ownership. And um, I think moving forward, there's going to be a lot of changes in and around about who owns what. Um, you know, it's not just it's not just Ukraine and, and Russia that has issues. Um, I think Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, jumped in and made sure that the Saudi deal went ahead with Newcastle. So, I mean, what, what about all the things that happened there, you know? So I think there's going to be a lot of scrutiny. Chelsea, yeah, I mean, they, they like to win. You know, they had... 82% possession, so I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. And um, and, and of course, um, West Ham, that'll certainly keep them that'll keep them in the hand for that sort of, you know, fourth place Europa spot. And um, they're, a tough, they're a tough act to beat at home, and I thought they would, the fellow would give them a better game than that. But uh, yeah, very, very emotional what's going on with, with those clubs. Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was a nice moment to see both both teams go around um, that young player and, you know, basically, you know, show some emotion towards them. But I definitely do agree, especially after hearing uh, some of what came out of Saudi Arabia over the weekend. And uh, apparently it is going to be a Saudi Arabian consortium that is looking to buy Chelsea. Anyway, of course, uh, coming up this week, the OFC qualifiers for the World Cup playoff. Uh, into confederation playoff spot, and of course they always have Papua New Guinea first, and then Fiji, then New Caledonia. With the, he, um, Danny uh, named quite a big squad. What's your some of your thoughts on the squad? Obviously, the notable absence being Marco uh, Marco Rojas. Well, he's the only one really that um, I thought would be there, and, and isn't. And clearly, there's there's a, there's a reason that's not known. Yet why? Um, and saying that, you know, would he play ahead of, um, you know, Macau and Wood and, and uh, Champness? And I, probably not at this point. You know, he's playing okay for his club. But clearly he, he's, um, the people would have been asked to sort of put loyalties for the country up, up in front. And uh, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. It's just conjecture. But I think the squad's strong. I mean, they've named every single player that could possibly be possible plan. They're obviously going to rotate people in and out. And uh, look, yeah, we're too strong. I mean, we can get a bit nervous about one-off games and all that, but I think we'll roll these countries. All our players are professionals. The other guys aren't. Um, we should we should eat, eat it up. Uh, be careful and um, get the job done. I'd have to agree with you there. It's great to see Cam Howison, who plays for Auckland City uh, being given, been given a call-up. You know, I think that guy is a fantastic player in the domestic level. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree. He's a, he's a lovely lad, and um, I'm, I'm, he, he's he definitely got the talent, that's for sure. He definitely has. Well, no, um thank you so much for giving your time today, and I hope the uh, rest of the week goes well for you, and um, good luck to your son going over to London, and I wish him all the best from myself. And uh, hopefully we, and uh, hopefully you have a quite a good Thursday, as I will be doing, and um, hopefully we can catch up soon. Sounds good, buddy. Have a good week. Cheers, thanks a lot. Mate, that was uh, Noel Barclay. We'll just go to a bit of music. Then next up, we have Mark Watson. Review here on Planet FM, and of course, and of course, now we're going to have, have a bit of discussion on all things sports. And here to join us is probably one of New Zealand's best broadcasters. He is a, he's a man who calls it the way he sees it, but he's, he's really good. And I always enjoy having my chats with him on a Monday. Here's the man, the legend, and I better add this: the hopeless romantic Mark Watson. Good afternoon to you, Mark, and how are you today? Oh, well, Aimon, with that build up, mate, I'm um, very well, thank you. Very lovely of you. Yeah, well, you know, you, you are a legend, Mark, and, and I and I and I have to say this. I don't, and it's not trying, and it's, and it's not trying to butt, butt kiss, but but at the end of the day, is you are one of our best, uh, one of our best broadcasters around. Anyway, we might as well rip into it. I was just wondering. Of course, we had the uh, swim series uh, yesterday, and of course, it was swim the bridge. I don't know whether you had a chance to have a quick look over this at all, Mark. Oh, look, I'm very familiar with the um, Ocean Swim Series. I was originally involved with Scott Rice, who set it up right back in 2005 when it was just the king of the bays. And we had the harbour crossing, and then the whole series slowly evolved. And, uh, look, I sort of was with Scott when the idea of swimming the bridge was first put up, and mainly because we'd swum it a few times as triathletes in training, but we'd actually swum from Bayswater Marina down and directly under the bridge and through to the Birkenhead Wharf, but actually the way they're doing it now, where you basically swim parallel to the bridge, um, is probably a much smarter way of doing it. It means that, you know, swimmers that are maybe not so confident can still do it, and if you want to do two laps and you're a more confident swimmer, you can do it as well. So, look, open water swimming's really just flourished. Um, you've only got to go down to Takapuna Beach here on Auckland's North Shore on a Saturday morning at State Highway 1 in regards to the number of swimmers out in the water training. And really what's revolutionised it is this, the, the, the wetsuit, the flexible wetsuits, the rubber that really came from triathlon. Um, it means that you can sort of float, sit a little bit higher in the water. Um, and so people who never really thought they could swim, um, you know, have 
can get out there and swim now because um, they've got that buoyancy. So, yeah, really good, healthy sport. And I think um, the current team who have taken over the Ocean Swim Series doing a really nice job. I have to say, yeah, I have to agree with you. And, and even to see a guy like Brent, Brent Foster, you know, he's a former, I believe he, he, he swam for New Zealand in the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics, you know. His effort was brilliant, but it's a fantastic, it's been a fantastic concept, this uh, swim series. And, you know, it's just the interest that it gave. And, and you know, it, it, it gathers so many people around there. And, and I, I really enjoy, I, I actually enjoy watching that, watching it because I think it just shows what great athletes some of these people are that, that are involved in ocean swimming. Yeah, look, and I think just touching on Brent Foster, there's a group of New Zealand athletes in now in his 50s, early 60s, who are just, just hard, hard men and women. Um, Brent Foster, you know, first swam for New Zealand in 1986 in Edinburgh at the Commonwealth Games. He's represented New Zealand in surf life-saving. They won a world championship back here in the late 1990s. For a period of time there, he was about the second or third fastest New Zealander at the Hawaii Ironman. He's won the World Aquathon Championships, which is swim and run. Um, he's won just so many World Masters swimming games. And there he is. I think he was second overall on the weekend in that harbour crossing. But it also just demonstrates um, how technical swimming is and that it's like a golf swing. If you can master a good golf swing, it doesn't matter really what age you are. You're going to shoot a low score and swimming's the same. It's all about technique. And one thing with Brent is he's always maintained his flexibility, um, started swimming from a young age. And so... You know, as long as he's got a desire to train, he's always going to be very, very hard to beat, even for the young athletes. Yep, absolutely agreed. Well, also yesterday, did he have a quick check of the White Sands um, versus Australia? And I, I watched it with anticipation because I saw some of the White Sands performance. But, you know, I, I'll be straight to the point. I think it's Australia and South Africa and in the West Indies in this uh, Women's World Cup, I really cannot see uh, the White Ferns making the semi-finals here, Mark. No, look, look. if you actually go back and look at the last year, two years, the White Ferns actually haven't really played particularly well. Last year, you know, they were beaten by Australia comfortably. They were beaten in England comfortably. Yes, they won a couple of warm-up games leading into this World Cup against India, but let's be honest, I mean, the conditions here in New Zealand are going to be so adverse for the Indians that you'd expect them to beat India. Um, when they dropped the game against the West Indies, it didn't really surprise me. Um, I think I think part of the problem is here, Amon, is that we're so desperate to... You know, I, I think we just need to slow down and just build the women's game slowly and not try and just elevate it alongside of the men's in regards to their position in New Zealand sport. But it is um, a political environment, and so we want... We want equal outcome immediately. Um, and I just think that a lot of these girls really, I'm not sure, can handle um, the billing, uh, if I can use the word celebrity, that perhaps goes with it. And, yeah, I just wish we'd slow down. Yes, we want as many women playing cricket. Yes, we want our women's cricket team doing well. But let's just, yeah, let's just not put too much expectation on them at the moment. Yep, um, I'd have to agree with some of the thoughts there on that, Mark. I just feel that there has been a lot of promotion around the White Ferns, but you know I, they've got a couple of crucial games, and I'm, I'm, I've just looked at the tournament. I just don't think they're going to make that because while they may have some talented players within there, I think the the problem is is that there tends to be this thing that they're going to do so great, but you know. These other teams, I, I think, are, are probably, I think, are probably coached better. I think they've got more talent, and you know, like, you know, as 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 I see, like, yes, they may have beaten India. I don't believe they're going to beat uh, um, South Africa this weekend, and they've still got to play England as well too. So, you know, they've got to have a bit of luck on their side as well too. Anyway, just getting back to some of the weekend sports and I'm just going to, something that you might have been interested, the Paris Denise Cycle Tour. Yeah, look, it's one of the sort of the spring classics that's sort of um, very, very famous. There's a whole lot of these sort of um, races that sort of kick off the big years in Europe. They move from this into sort of the Belgium and the one-day classics. Um, you know, play a lot of New Zealand riders over the years and sort of Paris Nice 
um, the likes of Greg Henderson, the likes of Julian Dean. Um, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't tend to find myself watching it as much, more because of just family commitments. And I, I think cycling has sort of burnt me over the years with some of the, um, you know, um, what goes on behind the scenes. But look, I, look from a New Zealand point of view. Um, you know, we're getting more and more readers, more and more writers on the world tour, and, and I just think it's great. You know, Sky does cop a lot of criticism at times for some of its content, but I just think it's fantastic that we have the rights to the cycling because it is a big, big sport. You've only got to go and around the country. You know, everyone gets frustrated that the cyclists are out there on the road, um, but they're out there because they love the sport and they're actually just trying to, you know, better themselves, get themselves fit, get themselves healthy. Some of them might be driven by some sort of goals within the sport. But, you know, for, for people new to the sport who do have a real passion, it's just fantastic that every one of these races is now live on Sky Television. You have access to it. And, you know, Mark, I, th- I think for once the more the more New Zealanders we have on these world tours is, uh, is going to be so vital for cycling here in New Zealand Then maybe one day we may have the magic of the New Zealand to finally winning the Tour de France, but you have a look at it, like, um, great, we've got some great cyclists on the Tour. One of the obvious names you always speak about is George Bennett. Yeah, look, I think it's only a matter of time before we win a stage in the Tour de France. We've come very, very close over the years. We've had a number of riders win stages as part of our team in terms of team time trials, um, but you yeah, we've yet to have a rider actually win a stage in the Tour. And if you win a stage in the Tour, it's still considered a professional race win. I will say this, and I will continue to say it, even in the face of a lot of people, if you win the Tour de France, I think you can put a big asterisk next to their name, and I think you can put a big question mark next to their name, and when you go down to the bottom of the page and you read what says next to the asterisk, I think you're going to question people's integrity. Yeah, and I think so. What, the what, I'm, saying is, what I'm saying is, Amy, yeah. I'm hoping that no New Zealander ever wins it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, it used to be known as the Tour de Pharmacy, but I think you know, hopefully, there always is. There's always been a bit of an asterisk round when you've always had that sort of winner, and oh, you know, I, 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 riders are good enough to win a stage. But look, I've been around the traps. I just don't think you can endure that and recover day in day out like. Um, these riders at the front pointy end of the bike race do. Um, you know, Lance Armstrong, Ulrich. I mean, it hasn't just stopped overnight. Um, it's always been tough to test athletes. But look, you know, track and field and so many sports these days, I think there's a real sinister element to them, which which can be, um, you know, which can be a little bit um, disappointing. But look, sometimes you just watch it for what it is. You know, you can argue that maybe the top 10 riders, it's still economies of scale. Yep, I'd, I'd have to agree with you there, Mark. Anyway, we'll just talk some other stuff. Obviously, we had a weekend of Super Rugby. Obviously, the EPL you'll be following, a good win for Liverpool over Brighton, but a really, really nice moment in the EPL, and it makes you think, well, while we all love sport, it is just the game, and, of course, um, the young Ukrainian uh, striker scoring for West Ham this morning. Yeah, look, I, um, I sort of followed it, on BBC, just more the updates. I would generally only get up to watch Liverpool live, um, but I do take an interest in Aston Villa now that Stephen Gerrard, former Liverpool great, is now managing that side, and I'm keen to watch his progress. And I wasn't actually aware, and it's only afterwards that I read about the emotional moment um, from the young Ukrainian scoring at what was the Olympic Stadium in 2012. And really nice to hear that both sets of fans acknowledged it, you know, very rarely will a set of fans from one club in English Premier League, you know, give an inch <laughs> to their opponents. Um, clearly, rivalries are certainly bigger and greater amongst certain clubs like Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool United, but really nice that Aston Villa fans had the um, class, um, had the intellect um, to say, you know what, there are things that are bigger than football, and let, let's acknowledge what we've just seen. Yeah, I think, I think we've been looking on perspectives like... Um I know, you know, like, I, you know, you see that it, it does show that, you know, that at the end of the day, it's just a game. And, and I have to say, both those teams, both um, both his own team, West Ham, but Aston Villa, just the way, you know, the, the way they surrounded that, that poor young fellow who's probably going through hell at the moment, like a lot of people are, especially in 
especially over in the Ukraine, you know. You know, it, it just was a really touching moment and it makes us all realise that there is something more to life than sports, but but we do love sports and that's what what we have. I have to say that when looking over the sporting weekend, the NRL started back and I have to say that the Warriors, to me, they, they don't look like a top eight side, Mark. Yeah, but, but, but why are we saying top eight? Why aren't we saying, I want to make the top four? I mean, we've already dumbed the season down before we start. There's 16 teams in this competition. So basically, win 50% of them and you make the top eight. And that's the standard, oh, we want to make the top eight. Come on, guys. I mean, you're already saying to the players, you know, just make sure we hit 50% we'll be okay. I, I just struggle with that, Nathan Brown. I just struggle with the Warriors. These people every year get so excited by the Warriors. This is going to be the year. No, it's not going to be the year. The biggest problem with rugby league and the biggest problem with the Warriors is they look to rugby league to solve their problems. And unfortunately, for a lot of rugby league, and you've only got to pick up the papers most week, there's always a scandal going on. I'm just not sure there's a lot of very, very bright people in that game at times. And that, I think, is a real concern. I don't think there's a lot of great depth in coaching. And that's something that needs to be addressed. This needs to be addressed here at um, a schoolboy level so that when these players come through, you're not just picked on size. We're picking players on intellect. We're picking players on the top two inches. Who is prepared to die for their team? Who is prepared to go to that extra inch? You know, we've created this this culture of mediocrity and it just continues to flow from one team to the next. Yep, and and, and with them, there's always this big anticipation now. The thing about it is, yes, it's it's a long season to go, but for every year, you know, like ever since 1995, we have heard... The Warriors, it's going to be the Warriors' year. The only time they've just, the only time they never said it, it was going to be the, the year was when they were just reformed in 2001 and 2002. That's when they made the playoffs. But the problem is, is that there's always this expectation. Now, maybe the New Zealand rugby league public are a bit too needy. But at the end of the day, is the Warriors really, I think the only man that could change that Warriors environment would be Craig Bellamy from the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you'd have to get rid of all the riffraff. You'd have to get rid of sort of most of your probably your top down. But look, you know, they think they do it hard. They don't do it hard. They get paid incredibly well. They play 80 minutes a week. They've got all this adulation. They're playing in front of large crowds. Everything's done for them. You know, they need to go and get a bit of a reality check and ask themselves some questions, you know. What do I want to be? Because if you're not playing, if this is all you're doing and you're not playing particularly well, well, my definition of that is loser. And I don't want to go through my career saying, how, how good were you in your professional life? Well, I was a loser. So, you know, I, I think they all just need to take a good, long, hard look at themselves. But, uh, yeah, look, go outside of rugby league to solve the problems for the Warriors. Write a book that the rest of the NRL follows rather than just write, reading a book that someone else's old manly do it this way, so we'll do it this way. Absolutely, have to agree with you there, Mark. Well, I will, we'll, we'll uh, tie it up. I have to say that it's always great chatting to you on a uh, Monday, Mark, and it's always good to have you. You good and you forthright, but good opinions. And um, I'm going to wish you a good rest of the week, and I hope you and, and a good St. Patrick's Day for Thursday. Yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers, Eamon. Yeah, cheers. Okay, we'll just put you back to here with Michelle. Okay, we're going to wrap it up here today. That's us done for the day. So, well, um. Thanks a lot to Michelle um, in in the studio. I want to thank uh, AJ, Frank, Noel, and Mr. Watson for the contribution. We'll just get there right, and we'll just music right now.